Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, regular listeners to this show will know that we're always trying to celebrate the very best of Northampton and Northamptonshire. And I am delighted to welcome my next guest, who truly um, does lead a wonderful success story and really due to his efforts over many years and, of course, uh, many other of his colleagues as well. But uh, it's a big welcome to the Chief Executive of Northamptonshire Music and Performing Arts Trust. That's NMPAT. Um, and it is Peter Smalley. Peter, welcome to the show. Um, you've got a, you know, many successes to report on with strong evidence, right, uh, over the last few years. I think uh, that's very kind of you, Adrian. It's great to be with you. Um, I think that there are lots of things that we can point to, but the first one I want to recognise is the fact that the Music and Performing Arts Trust, and before it, the uh, Northamptonshire Music Service, has been around for over 50 years. So it has longevity behind it. Uh, that's 50 years of providing musical opportunities to the children and young people of the county. Um, and that's a great legacy to build on. No, absolutely. And I remember enjoying the 50th year celebrations um, a year or so ago. Um, a long time has happened since then, of course. A lot of things have happened. COVID, that must have been a massive challenge for you. Well, I won't lie to you. Um, it's probably been almost the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with. Uh, it was, it, I, I, I'm not alone in that, am I? Everybody has found this a, a real challenge. I think there was a horrible realisation for me back in March of last year that uh, we couldn't work, we couldn't send staff to schools, we couldn't deliver lessons. Therefore, there was no income coming in. But there were uh, was a team of 300 colleagues who were all expecting to be paid. And that, that responsibility of providing ongoing employment to a team of staff who have given so much to the organization at a time when schools were closed and no one was able to um, to go to work that I found that a real personal responsibility um, and and one which was impossible to solve in the short term mm. uh, I think that the it would be fair to say at this stage that we were saved totally by the government furlough scheme. Um, and it was designed for organisations like us. We were unable to deliver um, during the period of the pandemic, certainly during its first days. Um, and that was exactly what the furlough scheme was designed for. Nobody knew, uh, well, nobody knew what furlough was, let's be honest, back in March 2020. But nobody knew how important that was going to be for organisations such as us. Mm. But we were extremely lucky that we also uh, managed to win a concession from the um, from HMRC, which allowed our staff to offer voluntary uh, sessions to students who were at home, uh, perhaps giving keep in touch sessions. 
um, without it uh, conflicting with our claim for furlough. So it meant that we could we could keep people in we could keep the staff employed, but more importantly, we could keep delivering a musical offer to some of the uh, the. Uh, children and young people in the county because so far I've only talked to you about the problems of employing people and the personal responsibility I felt about that mm. but our whole reason for being is to provide musical opportunities uh, for people in the diverse communities of the county and so we taught ourselves how to teach online how to teach on zoom how to teach on teams um, and how to have online interaction with people it's a, an incredible journey we've been on. And when I think back 18 months as to what we didn't know back in April and March of 2020, it's quite staggering um, what we've managed to achieve and, and learn uh, in the intervening period. Well, is there anything going to, to remain? Now, you know, are you going to go back to normal or is it a new normal? Because I've heard this message many times over the last few months from guests that uh, the innovation that's come through and the, uh, the, the organizational learning and development and innovation has been really very powerful. Let's hope that that energy and innovation continues. But you know, have you now permanently changed the way you operate or will you go back to the old ways? Well, I think there's a very important thing about music making, which is that it's a social activity. Um, it's a thing you interact with other people. So for first and foremost, you want to be in the same space as other people, having that human connection, that sense of making music together. That's when it gets exciting. Mm. But we have learned that there are things that work better online. There are things which are better delivered online and that uh, an online and remote connection uh, can enhance things which otherwise you might have thought, oh, we can't, we can't do that. So some, some really good examples of that is um, during the pandemic, our youth theatre uh, made a link with a youth theatre in Australia, and they were co-creating some work with an Australian youth theatre group. And I mean, that's just would never have happened before. We wouldn't have even considered trying to have a link um, with, with them. And yet we were on Saturday afternoons, our students were... Um, uh, joining up with these students in Australia early in their morning, uh, and they were creating theatre together. That was amazing. That's yeah, incredible. That does sound really good. We've um, we've also discovered th things like um, there are certain things like jazz improvisation. That's something that's really well taught online because it, it's a thing you have to explore for yourself. But everyone's a bit self conscious and doesn't want to be the person that doesn't do it very well, uh, and. So if you're doing it online, you can do it without any fear of judgment of somebody else. And we, we found students are very creative and have actually made more progress in that, that environment. So, yeah, there are certain things we're going to keep. Now, just tell us the sort of different groups that you've, um, that you've got and, and bands and groups and things that you, uh, you manage. So there's there's two basic parts of our work in the in the areas of groups. We we have Saturday music centres which meet across the county. We've now got uh, twelve music centres, and they cover virtually every uh, community in the county, from Oundle in the north down to Brackley in the south, and out in Gillsborough, Daventry, Wellingborough, Kettering, Corby, and of course in Northampton itself. Um, but uh, and. and during the period of the uh, pandemic and throughout the whole of last academic year, they were closed because um, bringing people together from diverse communities, 
probably wasn't the thing that we should be doing. So we replaced them last year with a virtual center, um, and which was entirely meeting on mine. And that kept the spirit of the centers running. Mm. Um, but this year they reopened and we're, we're back meeting face to face. And I'm pleased to say that the numbers attending are back at pre-pandemic levels, which is brilliant. But we also have our auditioned county ensembles, the county youth orchestra, the county youth choir, the county youth brass band, uh, and feed groups to it. So there's not just one orchestra. In fact, there are three orchestras, a, a training orchestra and a junior orchestra below the senior group. Uh, and that's true of, of each one of the genres. And, and we have um, about 25 groups which rehearse weekly uh, at our base in Northampton at the Kettering Road Music and Arts Centre. Uh, and we were able to keep them running all through last year, but mainly um, online or in very small socially distanced groups. So we, we were able to start building a face-to-face a -face offer again for them. But it's very strange if as a youth orchestra, which is usually 80, 90 strong, your meeting is a rehearsal of 15 people all sitting two meters apart. Uh, and that was a challenge. But it was a challenge worth meeting because it led to the opportunity for us to bring the whole group together uh, in the summer at the Derngate. Uh, and so they only played together once last year, uh, one performance, all socially distanced, two metres apart. It, it looks slightly Stalinist when you look at the uh, photographs, everyone in regimented rows and regimented distances apart. But we did it. And that one performance was so, so important for each one of those groups because it was what we had been working for all year. Mm. Uh, and of course, it was the springboard to what we're doing now. And we returned to our, what our normal rehearsal pattern. We're not rehearsing socially distanced anymore, but we are rehearsing with windows open. And that's about to become more of an issue as the temperature drops later this week and mm. <laughs> into November. But um, but we have got that that uh, sense of bringing people back together and, and a sense of a return to what was pre-pandemic normal activity. And you say you've got 300 colleagues. Now, are they full time or part time? Because, um, you know, you are a charity. It must be a very big charity, um, Peter. And uh, of course, that means a funding requirement. So what are your sources of funding as well? Okay, well, the uh, first of all, yes, there were 300 colleagues pre-pandemic, uh, and there's a, a mixture there from people who are full-time uh, down to people who perhaps work for us two or three hours a week uh, in our perhaps in our Saturday centres, uh, and so there was a, a full um, uh, a full rainbow of staff that we've got. And during last year, that number fell dramatically because, as I, I said earlier, we didn't run our Saturday centres. And regrettably, we weren't able, therefore, to employ a, a lot of the people who would only have done that. Um, but already we are back to 260 staff on the books. And yes, that's that's a lot of people. That's a, that's a lot of a big salary bill. But we're a very, very straightforward organisation. We, we have a turnover uh, which pre-pandemic was uh, five and a half million pounds. We get uh, one million pounds from the uh, government in the form of the National Music Grant, um, which it supports our role as the, the lead organisation in the Northamptonshire Music Education Hub. And there are certain things that we are expected to do and to report on for that money. 
but the rest of the money is raised uh, in fees and subscriptions uh, paid for by schools and by parents. Um, so parents are digging deep to make this possible for, for us to do. And uh, the best part of £4 million is coming in to us in that form. Our big yeah. challenge is that we know there's a certain demographic of people that for, for whom being able to pay for lessons, music lessons, is not something they can even consider. So we also have to find sources of money to pay and support those who have talent, who want to do this, who, who don't have the resources to do it themselves. So we have a, an amount of fee, uh, fee remission schemes that we can offer to people. That's the big one for me. We, we need to find uh, people who will give us money to help us support those that can't afford to pay. Mm. What's your personal journey to get to be where you are as the chief executive of Empath, Peter? Oh, well, that's really interesting. Uh, and I, I, I trace that back to one day in my primary school. Um, I was in the, my last year of primary school. Uh, I, I was a, had had piano, piano lessons at home as a little lady that lived at the top of the road. And I used to go and see her for lessons and she was very pleasant. Uh, and I sang in a church choir. So I, I had a little bit of um, association with music making. Uh, but then one day in assembly, I remember the head teacher holding up a trumpet and showing everybody and saying, this is a trumpet. And we've just bought two trumpets and we are going to get a trumpet teacher coming to school. And for the first time ever, there will be people playing brass instruments in this school. And I thought that was really interesting. And I didn't think any more about it. Um, because I assumed the cool kids, the ones that were in the football team, would be the ones that got to play the trumpet. And later that day, walking through the school library, um, Mr. Hughes, the head, stopped me. He said, and I'd like you to be one of the people that plays the trumpet. And, and you know, that moment changed my life because uh, I didn't know I'd be any good at doing it. I don't, wouldn't have put myself forward because, as I say, I thought the cool kids would get to do that. Uh, I found it was something I could do. I kept doing it, um, <laughs> carried on playing throughout school, had the sort of opportunities in Birmingham that we are offering to young people here. University, uh, a diverse career as a musician before I moved into teaching, a little bit of playing, some conducting, lots of arranging and composing. Um, and But I, I discovered that teaching was the thing that I really loved. Having told everybody I was never going to be a teacher, actually that's the thing that really enriches me that's the thing that i enjoy the most and and then i've had a, a career of um being a teacher and being paid to have fun with children and young people it's a great job <laughs> indeed that was a music degree that you did i presume yes it was a music degree yes i was supposed to be going to university to study economics but that was never a good idea um, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad i changed it <laughs> Um, well, uh, having studied economics, yeah, um, I don't know if I would have been able to cope because I had piano lessons as a child and wasn't to, to have the uh, the skills you obviously have. So, how long have you been um, at Empat and as chief exec? Well, there's a there's a scary story as well. I uh, I came here in 1993, so this is my 29th year. I, I famously told my family that I thought I'd be coming for uh, about three or four years, <laughs> and 29 <laughs> years later, I'm still here. Uh, so the first 
19 of those, I was um, a deputy head. I was deputy head to the former head of service, Peter Dunkley. And um, in 2012, at the same time that we became an independent charitable trust, uh, I, I became the chief executive. Um, and so this is my 10th year in that role. And, uh, and, and it's, it's been a, a roller coaster journey, but a very fulfilling one. Oh, I can imagine. And just tell us some of the successes you've had in the last uh, 10 years, survival being one of them, especially under COVID. But, um, uh, you know, what other highlights have you got from the past 10 years, Peter? Well, well I'm going to talk about survival first. I mean, COVID was one of the survivals. The other one was the, the whole establishment of the trust. Um, that That is a good news story of which the county should be rightly proud it was it was a, a journey which the county council supported and enabled and without it we we wouldn't be here today i mean we all know that the troubles the council has uh, experienced if we had been embroiled in the whole uh, unitary authority split I, I don't think we'd have even got to there i i think we would have gone so that in itself was a success um, but it's the musical successes I think you're talking about. And we, we're very yeah. proud of the fact that our county groups are regarded as amongst some of the finest in the country. We are regularly featured at national competitions, the National Concert Band Festival, the, the big band and concert band have um, a record of success there, unequaled by any other group uh, anywhere in the country. Um, regular top awards um, in that competition. We are regularly featured at events run by our partners Music for Youth, um, which includes their national festival and their uh, the Music for Youth proms. And in Northampton, we run a regional festival for them, and it's it's the biggest regional festival in the country. Um, but it, it, for me, it, the, the real successes have been the individual things, moments that I look back and think, I, I can't quite believe that we did that. Uh, a big one was in uh, 2017 when we took 700 um, young musicians to the Royal Albert Hall as part of the Music for Youth proms and performed a, a piece composed for us called Nen, <laughs> unsurprisingly, about our river. Um, that was just an unbelievable night. Uh, and it was so good, we repeated it twice in Durngate and then in Peterborough Cathedral. Um, that, that, was, that in itself was an astonishing thing. Mm. Uh, but, but there are so many other performances, sometimes really big things like proms, sometimes just magical moments um, when you hear something very special performed uh, maybe even in a lesson by um, an individual or a couple of players, when you realise they've taken the journey from being young young players to young musicians and able to do something very special. Yeah, no, I'm sure uh, that seeing the youngsters shine and thrive must be remarkably rewarding itself. Oh, I've got the window cleaners outside. If you can hear water <laughs> spilling, it is the window cleaner. So I do apologise. Um, let me see if I can draw the curtain and, and dull that a little bit. Um, no, I, I mean, Peter, I think it's, you know, you're, you, you, you've put uh, it on the map as far as I'm concerned, what I've seen, and I was lucky enough to go to a couple of those concerts that you mentioned. So, you know, as a, as a musician stroke teacher, being a chief executive, though, is a different role. So how much teaching do you do now and, and how much of all the other stuff? And, you know, what are the key success factors for you in your role as a chief executive? 
Well, that's that's a very, very good question. The, the answer is increasingly I'm doing less and less teaching. Uh, in fact, I'm actually not teaching this year because um, the, the, the first thing a teacher has to do is uh, be totally regular in their attendance. And um, there are so many calls on my time that my my attendance at a school or at a for individual lessons would be so erratic that it wouldn't be fair. Um, I miss it desperately because that's why I do what I do. But but I, I have a, another bigger job to do. And as chief executive, my job is to lead the, uh, the charity um, in all respects. I mean, obviously, I work for the board of trustees. Um, my first responsibility is to make sure that we are solvent, that we are sustainable, that um, all uh, customer requests are met and, and any customer niggles are dealt with, that um, we are planning for the future, that we have all the infrastructure in place to make sure that we can deliver all the things we promise we're going to do, but that we're also forward-looking and making sure that um, this huge edifice that we have built has got a future. Uh, and of course, we've, we've talked before about um, the impact of the last 18 months, and, and that was that was devastating on us. I One of the things I draw most pleasure from is the fact that we have come through that period and that we're still here and we are seeing the, the green shoots coming through to show that, yes, there is a future. And that's my responsibility. My, my responsibility is to put the organization in as strong a position as it can possibly be so that that when I'm not here and somebody else is here, they, they have every chance of success and keeping this great thing going. Well, the legacy um, effect, obviously. So you are a steward of a very important asset for the county. What are the upcoming um, highlights in terms of concerts and things that uh, I think there's one coming up in the next week or two that I've just bought a ticket for, but uh, what are the upcoming highlights and how, of course, does anybody interested in, in the, their young people um, taking part or playing an instrument or wanting to attend or indeed support um, the organization in some way? So the first big highlight uh, is, and it will be our first big concert after um, the whole period of lockdown and the pandemic, will be Youth in Concert. It'll be at Derngate. It's on uh, Sunday, the uh, 14th of November, and it features our five senior county groups. And it will be a joyous occasion just being able to stand on that stage again with an audience and with young people able to perform and do what they do best. And before that, the, the County Youth Orchestra on the 3rd of November, they're going to the Royal Albert Hall to be part of this year's Music for Youth Prom. Um, I think it'll be a very different event this year because everybody's still concerned about what it will actually look and feel like. But but the youth orchestra will be represented there and they, they will be representing us, Northamptonshire. Um, so that that's coming. But then we have a, a full programme of concerts and events throughout the year. And they're all listed on our website, which is the also the place people should go if they want to know about what, what we do. So we, we would, any aspiring young musician, the first place actually is to talk with your school because we teach instruments in nearly every school of the county. Uh, so if, if there is a, a, a music teacher visiting school to teach people to sing or to play musical instruments, there's a good chance it's one of our staff. Um, so that's a first place. 
Uh, the other option, of course, is our Saturday centres, which is a place where people can go and explore um, uh, musical activities. It's a great place for a young trumpet player to go and play in their first band. It's a great place for a young singer to go and sing in their first choir. Um, but but no, um, it is possible for people with no musical experience at all to go. There's always activities for people to try things out. Uh, and the information about all of those things is on our website, which is www.nmpat.co.uk. nmpat.co.uk. Well, it is a thriving organisation. You've got... Um... I mean, remarkable, you're in every school in the county. That is... Uh, well, I'm going to say nearly every school. Nearly. One or two. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. And national acclaim indeed. And I have to say, from what I know of you, Peter, that is no small part to you. I know your board and your staff, but um, I think, you know, the chief executive's role, which is why I was interested in asking you about it, is so important in any organisation. But um, congratulations to you for all the all that you've done. I'm looking forward to the concert on the 14th of November. I've been to a couple recently. I was with the Royal Philharmonic last week, and the the, the conductor said again, you know, how great it is to be in in a, in a, in, a, in an auditorium again. It was a great buzz in the air. Actually, the other day I went to see Les Mis in London, and you know, we're all packed in like sardines in a in a can in many ways. But you know, people have gone to great lengths to overcome this COVID thing, and clearly you have as well. So, um, Peter Smalley, the Chief Executive of Northamptonshire Music and Performing Arts Trust, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us an insight into uh, your life and the organisation. Um, keep up the great work, keep safe, of course, and um, yeah, continue the successes for a wonderful asset for Northamptonshire. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform, and of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from... 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.